Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Today's guest is Lauren Mann. She is a broadcaster, presenter, writer, influencer and a charity campaigner. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 31. And after that, she founded Girl vs Cancer as a space to empower and welcome women who were going through what she was going through at the time. She felt like there needed to be a space where younger people could talk about going through being diagnosed with cancer. She is the award-winning co-host of the incredible podcast, which is all about, in their words, kicking cancer's ass. For BBC Five Live, it's called You, Me and the Big C, and I definitely recommend you checking it out on iTunes immediately. It's a really frank and funny podcast. She co-hosts it alongside Deborah James, who is also a interviewee on control Alt delete She is episode 170, if you fancy listening to that after this one. Lauren has had quite an incredible year. She won this year's Inspirational Founder of the Year Award at the Stylist Live Retail Awards and she also won the Triumph Award at the Stylist Remarkable Women Awards. She's won so many awards this year. It is really incredible to see all of her hard work paying off. I'm really proud to have taken part in Lauren's boob t-shirt campaigns over the years. She has masterminded the design and distribution of a range of boob slogan t-shirts, aka the tit tees and they've raised over £30,000 and continuing to raise money for her chosen charities and it's led to a collaboration with Miss Selfridge as well. She's featured on BBC Breakfast, Stand Up to Cancer, The One Show, BBC London. She has spoken to millions of viewers all about her life experience from cancer to dating to fashion to everything in between. Lauren really is a total inspiration. I'm so happy that she is a guest today and also a friend and someone who I'm going to continue to support and follow for many years to come, seeing her bring these important issues to a generation of young women and young people in today's world. So I hope you enjoy this episode and take inspiration from Lauren's story. Here it is. I'm so excited to be with my lovely friend, Lauren. Hello. Loza, Lolly, all the names. And it's a roasting hot day and we're sat in my flat. We are. It's a very lovely flat. I keep walking around going, oh my God, I love, I love. I'm nesting at the minute, listeners. I've got this real urge to have my own space. So every time I go into anyone else's house, I like take little bits. I'm like, I'm going to use that when I move. I'm going to use that when I move. Oh, thank you. It's a lovely space, babe. Well, thank you for doing this because it's long overdue and you've actually been on my list of guests for years <laughs> so I can't believe we're doing it this late but I feel like it's a good time to talk to you because you've mm. been doing a lot I've and been doing a lot. so much has happened and I've obviously been following your journey every day but looking back it's been quite a crazy time so for anyone that hasn't heard of Girl vs Cancer I just wondered if you could in a nutshell speak about that because there's a big story of how you got to that but mm. also why it's done so well in terms of your previous career like it's yeah. all come yeah. together and it's all like like we said the multi pretty much. Yeah, so girl versus cancer. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 31 years old. That's coming up to three years next month. Mm. And that was about out of the blue. I had no family history. I'm young, healthy, happy young woman. No reason why I should get cancer. So when a lump turned up in my boob, I assumed it was a cyst. and didn't go and get it properly checked for almost three months. And then when I did, it was such a shock. Firstly, because you don't expect it. It's never going to be you, right? It's always somebody else. But secondly, because I didn't think at 31 with barely any breast tissue, because I had very small breasts, I still do, that was an issue I needed to worry about. And I wasn't checking my breasts and none of my friends were checking their breasts and no one had ever told me I should be checking my breasts. So it made me quite concerned. And 
I think we all have this idea of what cancer looks like and what cancer is. But I know that I thought cancer was elderly and it was death because that's what I've ever known. And when I started to go through the motions of going through the process, going through all these scans, finding out what my treatments were going to be, realising that I'd become infertile, that I was going to have to have my eggs frozen, all these things I just didn't know about cancer. I was like, well, if I don't know this, no one knows this. And to be honest with you, I'm looking for women who talk like me, have the same mindset as me, to look to for guidance and support and empowerment. And I can't find them. Mm. Couldn't find them. I knew about two people and they I were quite far I remember you saying that you were given like a brochure yeah, yeah and yeah. you were like this is so old and fusty and it's school. not me saying oh I'm not like age bashing at all it's not about that I believe it's a mindset but when you hand a 31 year old woman who's never had children a leaflet with a good 75 year old woman on it in a headscarf that I would never wear in a room that looks like an elderly person's home that's not going to relate to me and it's going to scare me and it's going to make me feel like I'm odd and weird and what is going on because this isn't a disease I should be having. And it's actually, I believe this that's 5,000 young adults every year in the UK get diagnosed under age 45 with breast cancer, men and women. So it's not small. So yeah, I just did what I always do. And I think you kind of go into panic mode and I 100% did, but rather than go, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to die. When my doctors were like, look, this is treatable. We're going to try and get rid of this. I then put a different hat on and I was like, right, well, I'm going to make sure no one else feels like this again. And it's a classic thing because lots of people do do that. Um, if I sound lispy to by the way it's because I've just had two teeth out yesterday so I can just appreciate I'm gappy toothed but I I wanted to show the cancer experience in a way that felt me in a way that how I talk about it authentically what it actually looks like but not scary stark hospital machines needles hanging out of people like I wanted to show it I would say making cancer editorial I loved my Instagram page anyway I always used to take pictures as a hobby so I wanted to show it through my eyes and what happened wasn't doing that other people needed it as well Mm. and we kind of found each other you've done such an incredible job of doing exactly that of educating and being informative but also being true to who you are Mm. and also finding other people like you've made a real community now and actually in that respect it feels like you've never been less alone yeah it's amazing because you know your family and friends are there and they love you and they care about you and they'll do whatever you ask and what you need however they don't get it and you never want them to because they've not been through what you have and you don't want them to go through that Mm. so the minute you speak to someone who's had cancer you're automatically on a playing field or a different wavelength anyway because my god like going into that chemo chair knowing they're going to change your drugs the first time your hair starts falling out like that stuff you can relate to on a plane that no one else would understand you wouldn't want them to understand same as a mum it's like me sitting down and talking to my mother about childbirth they'll be like woman move along yeah it's not you found other young women who have been going through similar things Mm -hmm. with girl versus cancer so at the very beginning i remember you basically sent out a message being like Mm. Are you free? Can you join in with this campaign? Mm. And I feel like you're really good though at doing that. Mm. I know that Girl vs. Cancer was going to be a success anyway, mm. but you're very good at getting people together and building campaigns. It's really weird because when you look at all your strengths and stuff that you pull on, whenever you did those tests, you know, at work when it's like personality tests and stuff, my strength was always communication and it was always empathy in people. And I love people, a buzz of people. So for me, when I worked as in my previous career, still kind of is my career in social media. I've worked in digital marketing since digital marketing was a thing. And I've been lucky to kind of grow with the internet, I almost feel. I'm a child of the internet, age for sure. And I worked in influencer marketing as well as part of my last job. So when it actually came to me talking about cancer on social media, I knew exactly how I wanted to do it in a way that was impactful and in a way that felt authentic. But also when it came to marketing my titties and getting campaigns moving, I was very lucky in terms of the network that I had and the relationships that I built. Because the thing is, cancer's cancer. But if I'd have been an arsehole to people, it wouldn't have been the same. So I just feel really fortunate that 
I have really great friends who then in turn had other great friends and it's just introduced me to other people and it's grown and grown and grown mm. and raised so much money so much money we're on 61,000 since amazing. its inception which is I want to get it over to 100k it's in my head by the end of this year happen. it'll be over 100k for people yeah. listening if they wanted to go and buy mm-hmm. something now I know you're launching new things yeah. in the future but where can they go girlversecancer.co.uk forward slash shop is where you can get the t-shirts and they're called tip tees because they originated with big slogans across the front with cottony rhyming names for boobs on them because it's very my aesthetic and then it's kind of progressing now to loads of different designs but they're doing good things 25% goes to charities split between four charities so they get a good chunk of money and they get a lot of awareness which is amazing yeah they're so brilliant and with I wanted to talk to you actually about something you put on your Instagram this week because I think looking at you you look that you look like the same old Lauren like you know no one would know ever by looking at you but it, I feel like there's an assumption that like once you'll pass the chemo bit once you're back on your feet and doing normal things and living your life that you're like fine yeah and I feel that it's just amazing how honest you've been about the after effects and how mm. you're still someone that's been through that and there's yeah. still things going on the thing is what I, I don't want to be is I'm not worries me about it and you know me well oh my I'm god like, you're the I'm opposite not, of that I don't sit there and go it's so hard but there are times when it's hard and I think I make it look easy and that's not a bad thing because I think I generally manage and cope very well. I've adapted to this and I run with it and I don't let it, I do my best not to let it alter this life that I've built for myself and the amazing things that are happening. But it is difficult. And it's things like, you know, I'm in medical menopause. So for me, it's very intense, every single side effect of menopause that you can get. And I didn't realize because no one talks about menopause thank god we're starting to talk about it now it is all consuming and overwhelming you know when people talk about you know when you're in your period and you're in the pms phase and it's just all consuming overwhelming of your emotions it's the same thing but physically as well so like for me every single day well, i've just sat before we've come on the mic with am um, about to get my little fan out and cool down because i had a severe hot flush and when i say hot flush it's not oh, i got a bit warm it's i like i drip from head to toe with sweat which you can imagine sometimes you're like oh whatever but when you're meeting craig david and you're trying to have a conversation and the bees are sweat dripping down your face and not from like overwhelmed fandom from legit having a hot flush it's embarrassing and I find myself really feeling self-conscious and like having a shower or being somewhere and just feeling sticky and gross and smelly even though I know I don't smell because I'm always asking people but you feel uncomfortable in your own skin almost and it's just it's a horrible thing and when they're intense you do get quite I get quite faint because your body's trying to cool down and you get this like really drop in blood pressure so you get a bit like woozy but then also there's the night sweats so I wake up in the night literally drenched in sweat which one is rubbish on its own but two when you are a young single lady and you would like to share the night with someone it's not a big selling point I have to Mm. be honest and on with that fact I've not had a libido so I've not had the horn for probably about a year and a half coming up to two years that vanished my vagina is dry a lot of the time and I have to moisturize it every day like my face which is nice it's fine to do it's just you know it's like I just want to be so high maintenance and then I had the I found out this week from going to the doctors I talk really openly about this guys I'm no holds barred but my vagina is now shrinking so there's a thing called atrophy that you get when there's severe lack of estrogen so my vagina is actually getting smaller I'm literally closing up from the menopause um then there's low mood there's foggy brain I forget names and faces all the time and I used to be bang on it and then that's that but then from the drugs and it's made worse by menopause is joint aches and pains mentally every ache and pain you get every cough every side effect it's no longer that you're looking and thinking how long have I had this for is this related to this could this be a referred pain because you're hypersensitive to your body 
you don't trust it almost anymore. And even yesterday, I went and got two teeth taken out. One of the most common procedures, probably done daily, however many million times. I suffer from PTSD now when I have procedures done. So I had to go and get the razapam so I could go to the dentist to get my teeth out. And it's been fine. As soon as he did it, I was like, oh, that's fine. It's the being in under lights on a chair in a medical setting that sets me off again. So as much as, you know, I'm grateful, I'm alive. I have got a bright touch word future ahead of me. And there's so many people that don't get the opportunity and I do know where my privilege is. I'm not going to stand here and say, it's fine, I'm cancer free now, life is rosy because it's such an intensely life altering experience that it takes a really long time for you to kind of find a normal. And I don't know if you ever will feel normal again. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of all right with that now. Such an important thing for people to know who are friends with Mm -hmm. you or or anyone going through this because I I do think there is this assumption and it's a lot of people that I've spoken to can feel all sorts of different things afterwards, mm-hmm. like the guilt or the, yeah. oh, my life's meant to be perfect now. Mm-hmm. Or why don't I feel grateful? It's, it's just not only the physical, but the mental, yeah. the mental stuff. You've got to think like, I bet one of my best friends in the whole world is Deborah, my podcast co-host. And when I feel a certain way or I moan about something, I look at her who's still in treatment and still dealing with the fact she has cancer in her body every fucking day and knows she probably will never be cancer free. I want to slap myself and go, you've got nothing to complain about. But we're human and it's all relevant and we're allowed. You know, the thing is with me, I don't wallow in that place. When I'm having a bad time, I'm very vocal about it because I don't want people to just assume that after cancer and also i'm very real so it's not that i really care about people assuming it's just i am open Mm. everyone's so different aren't they because sometimes even in just daily life you know when you see someone getting up every day and being positive and you're Mm. just like i can't i can't do that every single day is so different it is I wanted to talk to you about the amazing podcast you do, You, Me and the Big C, because it's not only one of my favourite podcasts, but it's won an awards, it's with the BBC, mm-hmm. but it's got real name for itself in the podcast world and beyond because there was nothing like it. No, there was like, no conversation happening like that, was there? No, you've really found this gap that actually I think a lot of people were desperate for because I don't know what your listenership, do you know your listenership in terms of like people who are going through it versus people that are just interested? It's a real mixed bag. So we have people that love Deb and Rachel and now Steve and they want to just be part of our conversation and our journey and listen in but then there's people that have had cancer are still in cancer treatment there's people that have friends and family who are going through it who want to educate themselves we have medical practitioners listening to it so they can learn better patient experience I guess yeah it's very varied it's one of those things like if you like have you heard George's podcast which is really conceptual and it's got its real own niche in terms of the styling of it and the way it's recorded and it's very arty ours isn't what I'd say is anything like that but I think the point of difference is just the way we have the conversation about cancer and the fact that it is a conversation it's not a blinds down closed room support network circle now then head tilted moment it's a laughing joking swearing Mm. really upfront account of our experiences shoved in with some experts so that we actually get facts rather than Deb's attempts at stats which we have to check a thousand times every episode. What was the one where Deb's recently was like I want to go naked Oh, with Richard Branson. Branson. That it's- was our Q&A. <laughs> so he comes out with stuff and me and Steve just look at her like, is this the meds or Deb? Because I don't, I, like it is genuinely the stuff that Deb comes out with. Do you then, do you pick a topic and then just go, f- just kind of not prepared? Like, as in you just kind of freestyle, have a chat? When we first started our first series, obviously Rachel was the captain, will be her forever captain. And she, we planned out the main things. So it's the main things, it's around treatments, it's around fertility, it's around all these different things, mental health, that every cancer patient will go 
through so it's the common denominators and we wanted to cover each of them because even though we were all different phases of our treatments and had been through different things and lifestyles and stuff people who were listening in would be able to relate in some way shape or form and then we talked about other subjects that our audience would like so we ask the audience mm-hmm. what they want to hear but then we also find things that come up in the news and we're like, that's a really interesting point or new developments in drugs. That's a really interesting point. And as the podcast has grown, people have come to us. So like the Francis Crick Institute, which is one of the biggest mm. re- cancer research centres, invited us into the labs, which was a huge privilege. What we generally do is we say what subject we're going to do. We think about the guests we'd like to have on to talk about it. And then we just write down the key points that we would like to talk around. And then it's just a bit of a conversation. It's not scripted. We just get into a room and talk around the subject as best we can. And I think what's really important to say as well is we don't pretend to be the experts I've always said I'm not the poster girl for cancer I'm a girl who has had cancer I one version of and there's a lot of other stories and a lot of other opinions out there what we're doing is sharing our experiences and our opinions and that's why we find it important to get the audience involved mm-hmm. and to get specialists in and try and have more balanced argument Steve's done a great job of that actually and I think that's the beauty of podcasting because mm. anyone can make one we need more podcasts about cancer as mm. well like yeah we do and it's just excellent and I think one of the episodes that will always kind of stay with me and I've probably thousands of other people is is when you were going through with Rachel when she passed away because you got to talk actually quite frankly about Mm. death Mm. in a way that in the episode it's not all doom and gloom in that episode and it wasn't a doom it was really it wasn't a doom and gloom one to record mate I didn't sit in that room with Rachel and think oh my god it's the last time I'm gonna see Rachel because we didn't know she knew in some level, I think, mm-hmm. looking back now. But I never felt scared about talking about it with her. It was a very easy conversation, actually. I think it was a lot harder for Deb because Deb's really struggled with it. Whereas Rachel and I are quite upfront about our mortality. It's, but it's, it's like the one. last. It's like the last taboo. British people mm. cannot talk about it and it's I was listening to something with Elizabeth Gilbert recently because her yeah. partner passed away from pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. and she was like how weird is it that there's one certain in life mm-hmm. there's one guarantee yeah we are all going to die yeah. yet we act so shocked whenever it happens yeah. and I, obviously it's to do with like it being too early and all that stuff but we should all talk about it more because we all know we're human it's beings gonna happen. and that's what happens you know and I feel what's really sad is we prepare ourselves for birth the process of birthing for a life coming into the world how we raise someone and actually what we don't talk about is how we'd like to end it this well because I think it's probably a little bit more poignant you come into the earth as this little creature who has not learned anything who is just there ripe for inspiration and to like absorb what's around them their environment and learn and grow and become this human being but you are that human being and at the end of your life that is your moment to look back on your life what you've done with it how would you want that to end like I think it's conversations that are so important it's conversations I now have with my family and I'm not having them because I think my mum and dad are going to die or I'm going to die but it's because if it should happen god forbid we hear so many times about people you know leaving the house and not coming home and would you know what your partner wanted would you know what your mum and dad wanted would you know have you told them what you would like for yourself mm. should that happen that's not tempting fate that's not morbid I think that's smart and I think that's freeing in a massive way actually I'm actually about to start writing my will next year I've not done it yet but it's something I promised myself it was a little dare to myself to do by the end of this year so I've been having talks to the people that do all that stuff and I'm going to find one that I like and I'm going to do my will mm. and that's just because I want it done yeah I've got one yeah so it's amazing no one talks about it but people yeah. think you do a will at the end of your life you don't you do a will yeah. because you want whatever life you've built to not go yeah. to pieces should anything happen right absolutely mm. and in that way i know it's it's like easier said than done obviously it's not as easy as like a funeral as a celebration mm. but at the end of the day it is celebrating yeah you've got to celebrate a life 
You're sad. The person who's gone is fine. <laughs> they're at peace. They're asleep. When, they, when you talk about the natural act of dying, you go to sleep. You go into a very deep sleep and then your body just shuts down. That is literally what happens. You have no idea what's going on. So for me, I'm like, well, that person's asleep, so they're chill. But it's the people around you. And in a way, you kind of have a responsibility to those that you love to make sure that the legacy you leave behind isn't one of fear and scared or upset. Because you would have had those conversations and you'd have said the goodbyes and you would have set things up so that when you do go, you can kind of go with a smile on your face and be like, oh, so everything's done. Mm, do you know what I mean? So yeah. that people can cry because they've missed you, not because there is anything unsaid or undone, Absolutely. I guess. That's what I always think about these days. Yes. And I think it's the bit that's just too tragic sometimes mm. that is just when it's someone young. Yeah. And then definitely. it's just there's no, there's nothing to say. No, there's nothing to say. And and I feel like in modern world, the way we look at death, because we don't talk about it, for decades, as long as human race is born, people are born at birth. Some people are born when they're very young, they get sick or some people have accidents. And it's just, death is just part of life. It's cyclical. It is what it is. And I think just got to get more comfortable with the conversation. The whole podcast situation has got me very comfortable with it. Mm. I definitely wasn't talking about death like this before I met the girls, that's for sure. Oh, so interesting that you you have all learned so much from each other doing that podcast. Yeah. It's like we're learning along with you. But slight change of topic, but mm. I wanted to ask you, like, what have some of the highlights been over the past few years? Because you've done a lot of stuff. Yes. And I feel like you're one of these people who you attract good things. Like, you just <laughs> attract experiences and people and... Do you know what I mean? I, babe, I believe in energy. Oh, you, and I've you really, said, your energy is good energy. I like to think, my mum once said to me, you're an energy radiator and watch out for the vampires because I'll suck it away. Oh and I'm God, like, right, mum. so true. Yeah, I definitely believe in the law of attraction and, and I believe in certain respects that you make your own luck because if you manifest something or you have an idea in your head and you put energy into that, it could be the smallest step. The tiniest step it doesn't have to be this big grand gesture. You gravitate towards the circumstance that you want and you gravitate to people of the like mind, say mindset as you or people that are doing things that you you think oh I'd like to try that and then before you know it you're doing the things you set out and I think that's all it is it's a, it's a little switch in mindset before I got ill I used to sit back and think oh one day I'll do this and one day I'll try this I'd have imposter syndrome but I would let it win whereas now when I have imposter syndrome I kind of throw myself at it and then afterwards go oh my god what am I doing what am I doing so yeah there's been loads of highlights I mean this year so far I won the stylist award for the triumph award this year which was a huge moment for me because I don't think I realized the scale of it and you're on the cover I was on the cover of Stylist, which is ridiculous. And I was presented the award by Emma Willis, who is one of my faves. And I actually said to my hairdresser that night, can you give me Emma Willis hair? And then she presented me the award, which was ridiculous. And I sat in a room full of women who I absolutely admire and looked up to for a very long time. People like Gina, Martin and Monroe Bergdorf and everyone. And I was just like, wow, it made me go, what? the hell was going on and for me it was a moment where I actually believed my own hype for a minute and I was like I've done really good things and people have noticed for me I've always just done what felt right and because I want to do good and it's helped me to cope with my situation but being in that room and having that acknowledgement from loads of my peers and people I love and admire was a very big moment having my mm. sister there was huge mm. um so important to take that moment because yeah. you're right it would be really sad if that just kind of washed off your mm. shoulders like not a big deal or you couldn't believe you deserved it it's yeah. like taking it in and being like I've worked really hard and I've yeah I've really made some positive change yeah that's yeah. the thing I've made a lot of change to myself and my mindset and you know this didn't happen because I got cancer this happened because I got cancer and worked really really hard on something I felt very 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 passionately and authentically like it's in my it's my purpose now you know when you see people right I never used to get it and they'd be there and be like I found my purpose and you can just see it in 
there and they've got this thing and it's they're driven and that's what they're doing now head down they're off bye like you know inside of them and they say i should this is what i've always meant to be doing that is exactly how i feel about Mm. what i do yeah you can see it and i love that i never thought i'd have that in my life it's a shame cancer had to be the thing, but if it has to be the thing, then I'm helping people, so mm. it's good. I think another weird moment was when we went, when Deb, Rachel, and I first got in the studio at Five Live, and was all a bit like, "Oh, you know, BBC Studio talking about cancer. This is a little bit weird." And then, because, oh, and um, stand up for cancer. I stand up for cancer. You two were TV. so good on TV. We're great. We're great. We, we call ourselves Cancer Deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, it's there's been loads of things where we've all just kind of looked at each other and been like what the hell is going on when we won the aria award that was another one where we just we just didn't expect it it's a podcast about cancer people don't like talking about cancer so it's people like listening to you talking about cancer oh yeah, and obviously i couldn't say highlight without saying liam gallagher at glastonbury oh shit. my god because that was a moment so can you just describe it just in a nutshell for the listeners so as em said i was on Sign Up to Cancer and backstage I got to meet Liam Gallagher who is my one even had a screensaver of him on my phone at the time I asked him for Can a I picture. just interrupt slightly to ask was he nice? He was lovely Okay He was everything I didn't expect I'm a big fan of Oasis Liam massive crush on just beautiful young Liam Gallagher there's no one fitter than, the, than him True and Those little sunglasses Oh my god he's just so fit and those lips Jesus um, so I had a screensaver of him on my phone and I know he can be a bit of a bellend and I know that about him and he's got a reputation and I went backstage and there was a mic pack on the side and it said Liam on it now I thought he'd done a pre-record and left because that's what I was told earlier in the day you'd done your research I had, well I'd asked <laughs> I was like is he here because someone said to me oh Liam Gallagher's doing it I was like oh my god is he here and they were like no he did a pre-record so I took a picture of this mic pack and the woman behind the mic desk loves Deb and I and all the work that we've done on the podcast with Rachel and was just like you like Liam I was like Lee Gallagher yeah and she was like yeah I was like oh for taking a random mic pack picture she went no he's do you want to meet him I was like pardon me she went yeah he's here I was like I don't know do I Deb do I do I want to meet him and I just lost that to lose it I was going on live tv and by this point all I'd had drink was water I was having nothing none of the wine in the green room area nothing because I wanted to be on point after she said that I was I was back in wine for fun I was like oh my god oh my god my nerves she went I've spoken to his manager who I know is obviously his girlfriend the Guiva who I also think is an amazing woman and he was next door and she was like I've spoken to them we'll see 10 minutes later in walks Debbie Guiva in walks lean behind her and I just could not breathe bless Debbie me and Debbie had a full on conversation I don't remember a word of it <laughs> Do oh not remember God. a word of it. And then Liam, then I just turned around to Liam and said, I'm a massive fan. And then the thing that probably shocked me to this very day is he put his hand out and he went, hi, nice to meet you. And he went, hang on, I know you. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're that girl off the telly. You were on first dates. And I said, asking me loads of questions about first dates. And I was just stood there. Oh Deb was just looking at me. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? So yeah, it was a bit mental. Wow. A bit mental. He and then recognised you off TV. Wow. So he watches first dates. He watches first dates. He loves I mean, the we all, that's a, the whole other podcast episode talking oh, about right. you on first dates. I think like, maybe I might start a podcast episode about first dates with Liam. You heard it here first. Um, so yeah, he, he was really nice. Really, really lovely. Um, we had a really good chat. He was asking me about the cancer stuff. I told him what had happened with me, what I do now. And I, and I told him about Glastonbury the year prior that I'd made my way back there. I made them push my radiotherapy back a week. I'd had surgery about a month before and that I made it my mission to get back to Glastonbury. And I went to see him. I was with all my best mates in the crowd at the other stage. He played Slide Away, which is my favourite Oasis song. I went to pieces. All my friends went to pieces. And I told him and I just said, it was just a moment where I just felt so grateful that I was back there and I couldn't believe it. It was really emotional. And he gave me a big hug and he said, that's amazing. 
He said, I tell you what, next time we both get back to Glastonbury, I'll play slide away for you. And I went, I'm holding you to that. He's like, yeah, make sure you do. And then we had pictures. And he was just lovely, lovely bloke. And then on the run up to Glastonbury, I tweeted him a couple of times. Didn't think he'd seen it. There was no acknowledgement. And lo and behold, at the pyramid stage, he dedicated my favourite song to me. And I don't think I'll ever get over it in my, in my young <gasps> life or old life, in my entire life. So amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. The clip is amazing. What does he say again? He says, because the thing is, in the t- at the time, I was in the crowd and I was a bit worse for wear, obviously. And all I heard him say is, this is for her. She's called Lauren and this is Slide Away. And I just went, ooh. So you knew. And everyone was like, oh my God. And like, everyone was bundling me. And I literally, I couldn't speak. I didn't cry. <laughs> I just couldn't speak for most of the day. And then the next day I was in tears all day thinking about it. But when I watched it back, it actually, which I can't go over. He just said, right. So last year I met a lovely lady. She wasn't too well. And she said to me, if I get back to Glastonbury, will you dedicate a song to me? And I said, yeah, all right. So I'm here and hopefully you're here. I'm going to cry. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like, and this one's for her. She's called Lauren. It's Slide Away. And I was like, what, what, what? I've got the... Um, You've got it. You've I've got, got the, the set list. I've got the set list in my room. It's got my name next to Slide Away. It's the most amazing thing, isn't it? It's so amazing. And it's so beautiful, just this connection over mm. thousands of people in a crowd that he's like, I hope you're here. Yeah. And it's like, you were. I was there. And it's Aww. really weird as well because the day before, Brandon from The Killers dedicated Rachel's favourite song to her in Cardiff mm. at one of their gigs and Steve and all the family and friends were there as well. So you, me and the Big C had a, had a really good couple of days. So now our mission is to get Deb on Strictly Come Dancing. Oh yeah. Deb I've seen the campaign for that. On yeah. The, so we that would be to. a dream. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being thank such an incredible person to get on the podcast. But just love Lastly, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? Just oh, it so doesn't have to stuff. be work related. Just for me, I've started to take a lot more space back for myself. I feel like I've given out a lot, and what I did was I tend to get myself into a bit of an overwhelm. So I'm re- at the moment, I do this thing where I'm just taking back my morning. So it's normally till eleven o'clock, I don't do anything, don't make plans. So I'm really looking forward to continuing that because it's made such a difference to my mental health honestly that's I, brilliant because I was going to ask you actually on the flip side of finding mm, your calling you know you I, you, I mean I don't even want to imagine what your email inbox looks like yeah and actually learning how to manage that exactly, it must yeah. be part of this and also it's like I'm working on a subject that is part of trauma that I have in, my, in me so yeah I talk about cancer all day long but actually I've had cancer and I know what that means and when I get people around me who I love that die when I've got people messaging me because I need support and that I want to be there for them but I it's triggering me in in such a way it's difficult so giving myself those times in the mornings means that if I need to finally answer an email that I haven't got around to doing if it means I go and do exercise if it means I go and have a cup of coffee and walk down the canal if it means I go and have therapy that's my two hours every day wow. blocked out and it's making such a difference I highly recommend mm-hmm. so only can always continuing that that's and, brilliant well yeah. done and obviously girl vs cancer stuff there's a lot happening new collections new like I'm doing a series of gigs which stay tuned for that amazing we will keep our eyes peeled on that yes obviously you'll be involved Emma I so mean, I'm, I'm like number one fan over here <laughs> well thank you so much thank you for and having me you're the best you're the best thanks, thanks. babes <laughs>